This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Sometimes we tend to keep things bottled up, we throw them under the rug, and we just keep forgetting about it, pushing it away, ignoring it until it just gets in our face. And therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest, to take those things that you've been putting away, and figure out how to work through what's weighing you down. I personally used to always bottle things up and ignore them and tell myself I was okay, and I got really tired of doing that until I started to go to therapy regularly. Therapy is a place where you can gain positive coping skills, learn how to set boundaries, empower yourself to be the best version of yourself, and it isn't just for those who have have experienced major trauma. I personally haven't experienced major trauma and I'm an active user of therapy. Therapy has honestly changed my life and if you're thinking of starting therapy, why not give BetterHelp a try? It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you have to do is fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and you're capable and able to switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash Alana to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash Alana. Thank you, BetterHelp, for sponsoring this episode of Morning Ray. I'm always talking about how it is possible to change your life by just focusing on getting 1% better every day, how the little things really do add up, and that can be as small as integrating a new supplement into your day-to-day routine like Seeds DSO1 Daily Symbiotic. It helps benefit your gut, skin, and heart health in just two little capsules a day. I personally have loved integrating Seed into my day-to-day routine. My digestion has never been better. I feel so much better and I truly notice a difference when I'm not taking it. When I take it consistently, I feel so much better. My digestion is better and I've never really experienced something like this from a probiotic. So that's why I continually go back to seed and notice a difference when I stop taking it. Trust your gut with Seed's DSO1 Daily Symbiotic. Go to seed.com slash Alana and use code 25ALANA to get 25% off your first month. That's 25% off your first month of Seed's DSO1 Daily Symbiotic at seed.com slash Alana, code 25ALANA. Thank you, Seed, for sponsoring today's episode of Morning Ray. Nice buns, soft, fluffy, and ultra-low net carbs. Discover Hero Bread. The delicious ultra-low net carb bread with incredible taste and texture. Hero Bread has zero grams of sugar and is under 100 calories per serving, plus high in fiber and up to 10 grams of protein per serving. Available on Amazon.com, Walmart.com, and Hero.co. That's Hero.co. Order from Hero.co now and get 10% off your purchase with promo code IHM10. Celebrity voice impersonation, not an endorsement. Why go to a single furniture store when you can go to Big Sandy Superstore? Shop and compare America's top five mattress brands, plus Nectar and Purple. And choose from over 22,000 in-stock appliances from the top brands at the guaranteed lowest price. Or furnish the room of your dreams with a large selection of American-built furniture. With financing plans for just about anyone, there's nowhere else quite like it. Big Sandy Superstore.
Hello, good morning, angels, and welcome back to Morning Ray. I'm your host, Lanny or Alana, whatever you want to call me. I'm super excited to have Tessa on the pod today. We talk about all things therapy, what it's like finding a therapist, what it's like asking for help in that whole experience, and what it's like to transfer schools and programs and majors. And also, we get into Tessa's experience with her eating disorder. We will give a trigger warning before we talk about that. It is the last part of the podcast. If that is something that would be triggering to you, I do think she gives a lot of great advice and words of wisdom and stuff that would be really insightful and helpful, whether you are struggling with your relationship with food and your body as of right now, or you are currently in recovery. So definitely choose what you know at heart is best for you. I'm super excited for that. And until then, let's get into our segments. Our first segment, obviously, is our weekly intentions. So my intention is not to let myself overthink or go down a negative spiral of what ifs and should ifs. I found this past week I was really getting caught up in my thoughts and it was just consuming me and it was not a good thing and I definitely found myself falling back into old thinking habits, habits that I used to have before I started seeing my therapist. So my plan for this week is to not let myself go into a spiral and overthink and think of what if this, what if that, or I should have this, I should have that. So I'm going to be a lot more aware and chime into my anxiety toolbox per se And do that a lot faster because I was using the tools that I have, but I was a bit slow to get to them. So my intention for this week is to catch myself when I'm falling into a pattern of overthinking, if that does happen, and to use my toolbox that I have learned and been taught from my therapist Tamar. So definitely ensuring that my thoughts are positive ones and I'm not letting myself self-sabotage in a way, I guess you could say. So the next segment is usually what my therapist said, but I actually didn't have therapy this week because she's on vacation, but we're still going to discuss some things. So as I was saying, I let myself overthink a lot this week, probably too much, but we're not going to down too much about it. We're going to learn from it and take that experience and use it to grow. So I didn't utilize my tools that I learned in therapy to stop it sooner. But as I said, it's okay. We're learning. So my little words of wisdom is that when we find ourselves in a negative spiral, starting to think about what ifs and should ofs, catch yourself. Start to counteract those thoughts. So I like to counteract any negative thoughts I have with a positive one. So say I'm being hard on myself about my appearance, counteracting that with a positive compliment about myself. Or if it's about a situation, flipping the perspective and reframing it to be a lot more insightful and positive and not so hard on myself. It's also really important to write out your thoughts. You know, I'm a huge advocate for journaling and all that. So definitely write it out. Do a mind dump if you need to. I did that a lot. And even practice is so what so so what is super great and I'm going to discuss that a little bit more into my tip of the week my weekly intentions what my therapist said and my tip of the week all kind of go together this week I guess they're kind of just one big segment but that's totally okay My tip of the week is to let yourself feel, but don't let yourself sit in it for too long, especially if it's a negative feeling. If it's a positive feeling, totally go at it. But if it's negative, 
or something that's kind of leaving you to be in a bit of a funk. I know I was definitely in a funk on Tuesday last week. Don't let yourself dwell and learn how to get out of it and kind of flip your perspective and your mindset and get you into a better and more positive headspace. So on Tuesday, I was in a bit of a funk and I took some time in the morning to journal. It took about an hour actually. I normally start working out at 7, 7.30 and I only started working out at 8. So I sat with my journal and I filled out my daily prompts, but then I continued on to do a mind dump. I wrote out everything and anything that was on my mind, whether it was nice, whether it was mean, anything, and I pictured it leaving my body. This technique is super helpful and insightful. And actually, my old therapist taught me this for if I ever woke up in the middle of the night with racing thoughts, was to picture my thoughts leaving my body and entering the page. It is super calming, definitely a visualization process, but it for sure helps. And then I went to do a so what exercise. So I mentioned this a few moments ago. This was to help with any remaining thoughts that were still bothering me. The way that so what works, I explained this actually on my story a bit back, but essentially you write down your first thought and then you respond to it on the right saying so what then you write what your so what would be. So say I ran into someone in the street that I noticed and I wanted to say hi, but I was nervous. So what? I say hi and maybe they don't recognize me. So what? I can introduce myself, say, hi, I'm Alana. I know it's hard to see with the mask, but hey, how are you? If they still don't recognize me, you said hi, you were sweet, you were polite, and you move on. They probably won't think much about it, and it was just another interaction. Kind of think about it like if you run into someone, if they do something embarrassing to them, you probably don't even remember or realize. But I really like the so what, and you can go on and on and on, and the point is to kind of change your headspace and reframe and reposition how you are picturing the situation or the thought you're having. I then went down to my basement and exercised. I kept it simple, but I ensured that I worked out even though I kind of felt off and didn't really want to, but I knew it would release those endorphins and make me feel a lot better. Working out is definitely something that helps me a lot with my anxiety. I highly recommend it if you haven't tried it already or if you haven't tried it when you are feeling anxious it definitely helps calm me and keep me in a better headspace i then called up my friend ken's and i made plans and i think the best thing to do is when you're in a funk is to kind of get out of the space that you're currently in physically and go somewhere else i did this by getting some fresh air we got some starbucks and we went on a little walk in this cute little town that had a trail and it was super refreshing it didn't 100 percent make me feel better right then and there but it definitely helped me a lot so my tip is that if you are in a funk Let yourself feel, but then journal, exercise, and get some fresh air or change up your scenery. Do the things that make you feel good. I also took a shower, did my hair, my makeup, put on clothes that I felt good in that made me feel comfortable and confident, and that definitely really helped. Now on to what I'm assuming is like your favorite section because I know it's my favorite. It's my current faves, obviously, but first off, If you have been following my stories this past week or so, you would see that I am back in my obsession with avocado toast. Okay, hear me out. I know it's super basic, but I don't know. I'm just super into it. So I like to have it on Ezekiel bread. I like the flaxseed Ezekiel bread by Food for Life. It's super good. I toast it until it's like almost burnt a lot of the time. And then I'll take half an avocado and mash it in a bowl with a little lime juice salt, pepper, garlic powder. Sometimes I'll add a little onion and hemp hearts. Hemp hearts are a complete plant-based protein and they add a little bit of a nutty flavor. 
I'll then put that on top of the toast, top it with sauerkraut, which is like a pickled cabbage, I'm pretty sure. Everything but the bagel seasoning and chili flakes. I also like to add a fried egg. So I'll do one or two free-range organic eggs. And yeah, super delish, super yum. You can have it for breakfast, for lunch, for dinner, for a snack. It's perfect. My second favorite would be my Drew House hoodie. I know this is definitely a more luxurious item, but I got it for hitting 20000 as a gift from my parents and for Hanukkah, and I paid the difference. They gave me some money for that. So I'm super grateful and thankful for that. And honestly, I was a little nervous that I wasn't going to like it. I got a size smaller than I was planning on getting. I wanted to get a small and I got an extra small because the small actually sold out as I was cashing out because it took a little too long to decide what color I wanted. I was debating it with my friends, texting them, which was kind of stupid on my part because like Drew House sells out in seconds. Like this was like two minutes in and as I was checking out, it was sold out the small. So I got the extra small. Thankfully, I snaked that. But I am very happy. It definitely is an oversized unisex fit. Wear a size four or six at Lululemon if that helps you at all, or like an extra small, small at Aritzia. In the Aritzia boyfriend hoodie, I wear a size two. Um, if that helps you, if you're looking to get a Drew House hoodie, um, and if you're around my size. But I'm actually obsessed. I got the olive green color. I'm obsessed with green. If you couldn't tell already, greens and browns, nudes, those are my shit right now. Um, But I absolutely love it. And I would totally get another one in a heartbeat. I mean, my wallet might hate me, but I love her. I love her. And Justin Bieber posted in this color in this exact hoodie. So we're here for it. You know, I'm a believer. Believer since day one. And my friends keep asking me if I have beaver fever. Yes, I am sick with beaver fever. <laughs> and my third and final favorite is OSEA. And it's a skincare company. It's vegan and it's based using a lot of sea-based ingredients so like algae and seaweed and stuff like that. Um, but I love it. The packaging is all made of glass. It's recyclable. And I honestly really like the cleanser and the hyaluronic acid. I'm also using the moisturizer. I will say the moisturizer isn't as hydrating as I like it, but it is as I would normally like a moisturizer. But when paired with the hyaluronic acid, it feels amazing. And I love using the cleanser at night. I'll use my the Inkyla salicylic acid one during the day. And then I'll use the OC cleanser at night before bed. And I really like how it feels. It's super creamy. I've noticed that my complexion is a lot clearer and brighter since using it. So I highly recommend that you guys try it out. I'll have everything from my favorites linked in the show notes if you're interested. But I would now like to bring Tessa onto the pod. I'm super excited and you guys are definitely going to enjoy it. So I'm here with Tessa and welcome to Morning Ray, Tessa. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. Of course, of course. For those who don't know you, who are you, where are you from, and what is your zodiac sign? Well, my name is Tessa McCarthy. I'm born and raised in Toronto, Ontario, and I'm a Scorpio. So we're going to just dive right into it. Tessa actually approached me and wanting to come on the pod, which I think was super exciting. And of course, I took her up on that offer. We both have been through similar obstacles and journeys in our life and 
both are into going to therapy. So we've spoken personally um, numerous times about our experiences with therapy. How long have you been going to therapy and what kind of drew you to want to start talking to someone? Well, I've been in therapy in some sense since I was a little kid. My parents, thankfully, are very open about talking about your mental health, going to therapy. They think that just like me, everyone needs therapy, mm-hmm. regardless of what you're going through. So I started going to therapy a little bit as a kid after my parents got divorced, just to kind of help me cope with things. And then I stopped going. And then I lost someone very close to me in grade 10. So I guess when I was about 14, and then I started going back more frequently, like, and I guess it's been six years that I've been going once a week or once a month, kind of depending on the period of my life. Mm-hmm. So now I just love going. I go all the time. Did you ever switch therapists along the way or has it kind of been like the same person? So the therapist that I saw when I was younger is actually the father of my current therapist. Wow. It's a family business. So I've been seeing my current therapist since I was 14. Wow. Yeah. So it's been a long journey. Yeah. I kind of like that because then they grow up with you in a way and they kind of know your background story and they're able to get to know you so they can really call you out when you need to be called out yeah exactly (laughs) what would you say have been the greatest benefits you received from going to therapy well I'm a very emotional person I'm a Scorpio so I feel (laughs) lots of things very deeply I feel like my therapist helps me become more self-aware and kind of like understand why I'm feeling what I'm feeling instead of just kind of dealing with all those emotions on my own she definitely is willing to call me out when I need to be <laughs> called out, telling me things that I don't necessarily want to hear, but I think deep down I know. Mm-hmm. So she's just helped me get through a lot of things that I don't necessarily understand. That's really good. A lot of people see therapy as you only go when you need help, but I think that therapy should be for everyone. So what would you say like your favorite thing about going to therapy is? I feel like it's a great way to stop and check in. No matter what's going on in your life, it's one thing to talk to friends, it's one thing to talk to family, but having that unbiased person who's not involved in the drama and who's not going to judge you for no matter what you've done, who's Mm -hmm. just going to be there to listen and let you talk things out when maybe you've told your friends about it 50 times and they're like, you need to stop talking about that. (laughs) Like, get over it. So I think my favorite thing is just allowing myself to stop and take that time to be like, what's actually happened this week? And what's bothered me this week? Or what's been good about this week that I didn't necessarily realize in the moment? Yeah, I would definitely say that is probably my favorite thing. Because how all my therapy sessions typically start is my therapist Tamar will ask me how my week has gone. I'll take notes throughout the week of things that maybe I felt triggered by emotionally, or things that maybe irritated me. And I tried to use the tools that she gave me, but I didn't feel I really like in it and I still need to work on it. So I definitely feel that because as much as you can talk to your friends and talk it out with your friends or talk to your parents or any loved ones, it's not the same thing as talking to a therapist because they can really help you dig a little deeper and go into like your subconscious in a way. Yeah, especially with my therapist because she's known me for so long, Mm -hmm. she can pick up on patterns. So instead of just being like, oh, this is an isolated incident, she can remind me of things I've forgotten about, oh, remember when this happened five years ago Mm -hmm. and we figured out that this is what the cause of it was. It's really helpful to have someone taking notes on your emotions when you're feeling them because sometimes when you feel really emotional, you don't really stop and say, I'm going to remember this for when this happens again. Would you say therapy is ever difficult? Like, do you find it sometimes hard to open up or it's really emotionally draining? 
definitely. Like there's some therapy sessions, especially with online therapy now. Sometimes I feel like I'll be on FaceTime and we'll have this really intense conversation. And then I hang up on Zoom and I'm just still left with all these feelings. I find that online therapy has been really hard because it's not like you're going into the office, leaving it all out there. And then yeah, just the physical act of like walking out of the office. It's like you're letting go of it. Yeah. Online therapy has been especially difficult for me. Sometimes it is hard and it's an ego check for someone to be like, think about this in a way that you didn't think about it before. Are you being logical? Are you being rational? Why are you feeling like this? Was what you did fair? And a lot of times the answer is no, I wasn't being logical or I wasn't being rational. But it takes someone to sit you down and say the things that you didn't necessarily want to hear. I mean, I'm learning this because I'm doing cognitive behavioral therapy. And a huge thing with that is reframing and repositioning the perspective that you're looking at the situation at. And I feel like so many times we like to play victim and think, that either it was us that messed up or that it was the other person and not that it could potentially be both or we forget to put ourselves in their shoes and see it from their perspective and how our actions might have resulted in their actions and I think it's great that a therapist is able to kind of pick us up and move us around if that makes sense it does because I feel like part of being human is wanting to find an exact meaning for things and sometimes that means placing blame or Mm -hmm. feeling as though you're always in the right if you ended up hurt but you can still end up hurt if you've done something wrong yeah so playing victim is definitely a big thing that I've had to work on as well (laughs) you're doing an undergrad in psychology do you think your experience with therapy is like why you transferred into this field and why you wanted to study? Absolutely. So I actually want to become a therapist. I've changed career paths a few times. I feel like (laughs) everyone does, but I was studying politics and I just kind of started to realize this isn't what I want to do. I'm a very emotional person. I love talking to people. I'm like a psychologist to my friends sometimes. Like I love to psychoanalyze them and it bothers them, but... (laughs) Definitely with my experience in psychology, I realized how important it was to me and how it made me the person I am today. And I was like, that's something that I want to be able to do for other people and support them through their struggles. And my dream job would be to just sit with people and be like, tell me how you're feeling. Let's figure this out together and not politics or business, something Mm -hmm. that's, I guess, more concrete. And like emotionless in a way. Yeah, emotionless. Like, I don't know. I feel like being a therapist would just be really meaningful to me. So I decided last year to transfer to psychology and I've loved it so far. So you transferred in your third year? Halfway through my second year. Okay. And being open about your experiences with therapy and also my own being open, do you think that it's important to be open about going to therapy with those in your immediate circle and maybe even like your extended circle of friends and family? Absolutely. I feel like there's this stigma around therapy that you only go to therapy if you have a mental illness or if you're grieving or if you're dealing with really severe issues. But I'm really open with everyone that knows me about, oh yeah, like my therapist told me this last week or I'm going to therapy. I won't just say, oh, I have an appointment because I feel like other people being so open about therapy and about their struggles with me has helped me realize, oh, maybe my issues aren't just my own. Maybe other people deal with the same things as me. I mean, I want to be a therapist, so it's in my own benefit that Mm -hmm. lots of people are open about going. But I definitely think that it's important to be open about it in order to, I guess, reduce the stigma Yeah, and to just kind of encourage people to go and to realize how common it is and it's not just people that are really evidently struggling that need to go 
Yeah. And I feel like I've experienced this through not only opening up about my going to therapy with my friends because I've learned that they're also in therapy and also through sharing my experiences on my Instagram and on this podcast. I've gotten so much positive feedback about girls and even a few guys. I feel like guys are very afraid of their emotions. There are guys that aren't, but they've come forward and been like, you've made me feel like I should go to therapy, whether I'm struggling or not just to be able to talk to someone and work through my daily struggles and maybe find the reason why those daily struggles keep occurring. I've spoken to a few guys actually that have told me because I brought it up, like you said, oh yeah, I've been to therapy or I go to therapy, but saying it kind of secretively because I think that helping your own mental health is seen as a very feminine thing. Yeah. When it shouldn't be. We all have the same brain. We all have the same spectrum of feelings and guys especially have a really hard time opening up about their mental health struggles and I think it's so important too that we do include men into the discussion and welcome Mm -hmm. them to the table and say you're allowed to struggle with mental health too you're actually encouraged to open up about it and go to therapy because they are so much more secretive about it yeah and I feel that comes from a place of feeling as if they're kind of going against like their masculinity like they're gonna lose Mm -hmm. that But if anything, I think that makes them look more courageous and more masculine because they're willing to put themselves in a vulnerable position and open up to someone. And I think that is super courageous because they're stepping away from the herd that doesn't want to admit to that, that they need to talk to someone. Yeah, absolutely. So we connected over Instagram and we related among our experience of transferring universities and then later on found we had more similarities between us. When and why did you transfer schools? I transferred from the University of St. Andrews to Ryerson University halfway through my second year. So halfway through my second year, I was dealing with a lot of mental health issues and I needed some time off. So I decided to take the semester off, go back home. I was studying in Scotland. And during that time, I had a lot of time to reflect and to ask myself, is this the right place for me? Am I just too afraid to transfer? Is it for the right reasons? Do I like my program? And taking that time for myself and to focus on my mental health and to step back from university, which can be crazy and busy and Mm -hmm. there's this social life that's just dominating everything you do. I realized that A, I didn't like my program. B, I did need to be closer to home. And I think I was just too afraid to transfer because I guess in my mind, I saw that as a failure. I thought that I had made the decision and I had made this big leap to go study in Scotland. And I felt like everyone would talk about it and everyone would say, oh, she failed and she couldn't make it, but it had nothing to do with that. And then once I decided to transfer, I realized how many people have done it Mm -hmm. for all sorts of reasons. Like I transferred and I thought that everyone would say, oh, she must have really terrible mental health issues or she must not be fit for university. And people transfer for all sorts of reasons and it doesn't have to be a huge deal. And it's probably one of the best decisions I've made for my mental health in my entire life. Yeah, I definitely can agree on that. I mean, I wasn't all the way across the world. I just realized that I wasn't happy in my program academically. I wasn't happy at the school socially. And as much as I was happy, I wasn't. I was a hard worker, a perfectionist. I completed everything I started. Like that was my reputation. And I had the same thoughts as you. I thought, are people going to think I'm a failure? Are the people in my social circle going to think that? And I kind of felt like alone in it. But then once I started talking about it, 
whether it be with my peers or people even on Instagram had told me they transferred for similar reasons, I kind of realized that it is such a normal thing. And it's kind of like therapy in a way, like no one really talks about it. Like everyone thinks like you choose one school and you put it all out and you're kind of like stuck in that decision. And if you transfer out, then you're like a failure, but so many people transfer and it's like totally cool and it's totally normal and it's totally okay. Yeah. And I can totally relate to what you said about, I was happy, but I wasn't happy because now I can look back and be like, oh, I had all these incredible experiences. I had so many fun nights, but all that time there was that underlying unhappiness that I don't Mm -hmm. think I was giving a voice because I was too afraid to hear what it had to say. Yeah. So in my mind, I was just trying to keep this snowball effect of fun nights and enjoying where I was and making new friends without stopping to ask myself, how are you really doing? And do you really enjoy this? So I definitely think that you can also just get lost in the excitement of it and the adjustment of it too. Because first years are crazy. Like (laughs) you have all these adjustments going on, regardless of how far you are. You're away from home for the first time in your life. You're meeting hundreds of new people. You're in this new level of studies. There's so many things that are going on that you don't really have time to stop and think about how you're doing and why you're doing what you're doing and whether you made the right decision. And I remember thinking, oh, but I can't transfer in second year. It's too late. I should have made this decision sooner. But it wasn't until second year that I actually had stopped to ask myself what was happening and whether I was happy. And so it's never too late as well. Like you can transfer whenever you want. It's not something that you decide to go to a university and it's a prison sentence. It's supposed to be like a good experience. So if it's not a good experience, I don't think now that there's anything wrong with at any point being like maybe I want something different or even like to transfer again it's okay if you feel like you have to transfer schools or programs multiple times to figure out what you want there's no deadline to finishing school and I think that took me a while to be okay with and to kind of overcome this like stigma or whatever you want to call it, this expectation that you have to finish in four years. And if you're not finished in four years, then you're slow or you're not as smart or something's wrong with you. But that's so not the case. Everyone has their own journey in university. I think the idea of starting university at 17, 18 years old and needing to be done by the time you're 21 isn't realistic. No. Like I'm 20 years old and I don't think that a year from now I would be ready to go into the workforce and start the rest of my life. So I've started to appreciate transferring and having to go back a little bit to readjust things for my program. I'm in no rush. Yeah. And it's going to be better that I actually feel prepared and I know what I want to do and I've taken the time to get an education that I enjoy and become interested in things that are actually going to benefit me, even if that means finishing a year or two later. Or even three, who knows? Also, this extra time allows you to really be able to sit with your thoughts and find what you actually want. Yeah, absolutely. What would you say was the biggest adjustment to being in university from high school? For me, I think it was the independence. Um, So I was a year younger than all the people in my class in high school. So as they were, you know, turning 17, 18, I was turning 16. And so my parents were a lot more strict with me when it came to things like going out or curfews. And then I was sent off to university with no parents and no real rules and optional classes, pretty much. No one's going to force you. No one's taking attendance. Yeah. So I did struggle with 
balancing going to classes and having a social life and also taking care of my body and taking care of my mental health. And I think that if I was excelling in one of them, I was neglecting another. Mm -hmm. So if I was really prioritizing my social life, chances are I wasn't going to class. And I look back and it seems so ridiculous now that I was in university Mm -hmm. to go to school, but it's just so many things to deal with at once. Yeah, that I think finding the sweet spot of knowing how much effort to put into every area to actually have the best experience took me a very long time to figure out. And with COVID, it's nice in a way that a lot of these things are taken off of your plate. So I've been able to focus more on school and focus more on my daily routine and going to therapy and Mm -hmm. making all my food at home and not really going out as much. But I remember being in first year and just feeling so overwhelmed with all the responsibility I'd been given and this feeling of independence and I didn't really know what to do with it. Yeah. You said something about finding the sweet spot in balancing school, social life, relationships, staying healthy. So taking care of both your mental and physical health. What would you say is like your little secret tip, like your sweet spot? I feel like I'm still figuring it out. If I'm being totally honest, I'm not going to say I have the answer, but I feel like the biggest thing for me was placing my mental health at the center. Because if you are focusing on your mental health and you are very in tune with how you're feeling, you know where you're lacking. So Mm -hmm. if I'm really paying attention to what my mental health is telling me and how I'm feeling, I'll know deep down Being super busy can make it really easy to fall into a dinner time recipe rut or even with your lunches. Any meal, honestly, can get you into a rut, especially with a busy schedule this fall. You can keep mealtime exciting with over 40 recipes to choose from every single week. So there's always something delicious to discover with HelloFresh. It's truly a no-brainer. It does all the shopping and meal planning for you. Ingredients arrive at your doorstep pre-proportioned and ready to cook along with pictured step-by-step recipe cards. It's never been easier. I personally love HelloFresh as a way to get exposure to new recipes, make my life a bit easier as a busy 20-year-old in the city. And I love that it's worry-free, it's super easy, it's convenient and gets delivered straight to my door. Go to hellofresh.com slash 50ray and use code 50ray for 50% off plus free shipping. That's hellofresh.com slash 50RAE and use code 50ray 50RAE for 50% off plus free shipping. HelloFresh is America's number one meal kit and thank you for sponsoring today's episode of Morning Ray. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Maybe I should be doing more schoolwork and maybe I should be going out less or maybe I should be putting a little more effort into my relationships, even if that means studying for two less hours one day, or I should take that extra hour out of my study schedule to make myself a nice dinner that's going to fuel my body or make time for exercise. Even if that Mm -hmm. means giving up a bit of sleep, it's a lot of give and take, but 
taking the time to sit down and ask yourself, where am I thriving? Where am I lacking? What do I need to do for myself? Mm -hmm. Has been the most important thing for me. The way you put it, putting like your mental health in the center and then everything else kind of just falls into place because you're so in tune with your emotions and how you're physically feeling too. If I'm thinking back now on when I started to really be able to find that balance between not overdoing it in school or not overdoing it in a social life and not overdoing it, just focusing on working out and what I was eating. It was when I started to really focus on just my mental health as a whole and paying attention to that. So I think that's a really good piece of advice. What would you say have been the best things about your university experience so far? I feel like living in Toronto my whole life, I had a very similar group of friends and it just feels like a little bit of a bubble. Yeah. So I think going to university and branching out and not just staying friends with the people that I was friends with in high school was huge for me. And it opened me up to different kinds of people and different views and sometimes views I didn't really agree with. But it was interesting to have those conversations with people. And now also adding on top of that, studying something that I love and actually feeling like what I'm passionate about is turning into something concrete is huge for me. And I'm really excited about that as well. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. I definitely feel that too. And what you said about like studying something that becomes concrete, because I am majoring in marketing and a lot of the marketing courses are very modern. And I took like a social media marketing course. It's so like interesting and like exciting to be learning in school what you can actually apply. So I'm just going to place a trigger warning. We are going to be talking about things around disordered eating and eating disorders. So if you feel that this is a subject that would negatively impact you or bring up any unwanted feelings, I advise you to probably exit out of the podcast or just skip to the end. But I do think it could also be very beneficial and helpful. So just move forward with precaution. But diving in, what would you say your struggles have been with disordered eating or eating disorders? Could you maybe share your story a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like I am going to be very open with this just because Mm -hmm. other people being open has helped me quite a bit. So I struggled with bulimia for six years and then anorexia for two. It started when I was 13 or 14 years old. So I was really, really, really young. And it's so sad to look back now because if I look at a 13-year-old girl or a 14-year-old girl or any young girl to think that they are struggling with bulimia or anorexia or any sort of eating disorder literally breaks my heart. Mm -hmm. But for some reason, it's different when it's yourself. Don't feel that same sympathy towards yourself. Yeah. Which is almost more heartbreaking that you can look at other people and feel so much compassion. But sometimes we can't give that compassion to ourselves. Mm -hmm. But bulimia is also something that's not really discussed. I feel like obviously eating disorders, there's stigmas around them, there's preconceived ideas of them. But I remember struggling with it and hearing a lot about people with anorexia or binge eating disorders and being like, why does no one talk about what I'm dealing with? Am I dealing with this totally alone? And when I would talk to my friends about it, they'd be like, oh, I don't understand it. Or that's disgusting. Or why would you do that? And that, I guess, made me feel more alone. Yeah. And it made me feel like what I was dealing with was so wrong. And the way I was feeling was wrong. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I definitely agree that binge eating disorder and anorexia are definitely spoken about a lot more. And bulimia is kind of just thrown under the rug and it shouldn't be. 
I was in the dance program at my high school and we actually had a unit on it so we could learn a bit more and kind of break those stigmas and I think that's really important and I wish that was thrown into just the regular health class. I feel like so many girls from a young age start to struggle with their body image and their relationship with themselves and their relationship with food. It's so common that girls just talk about dieting and wanting to be smaller and all these things that it's so normalized when it really shouldn't be. And that kind of makes you feel pressured that if maybe you weren't thinking of these thoughts on your own to start having those thoughts that your friends are discussing. When and why did you decide to seek out help and what kind of made you realize like, okay, like something's wrong. I need to change this. I actually reached out for help a few times. But because I think bulimia wasn't really talked about, I'm the only girl in my family. I also was very secretive about it. So I struggled with bulimia for six years in my family's home and no one knew. That is how much of a secret I was holding within. And that also adds so much to your mental health. And to feel like you're always holding on to this huge secret that's literally controlling your life and not talking about it is eventually going to weigh on you to a breaking point. So there were a few times when I reached out for help and then I kind of got scared. So I would reach out and then just say, oh, I'm fine. I'm too afraid to dive into this with people. I'm too afraid to actually get the help that I need. And then Last year, when I left university, I basically said, I need help with this because I was losing a lot of weight. I was unhappy. I am not sure if my eating disorder was fueling my mental health issues or whether they were acting together, but I was just becoming a different person. And I was unhappy. I was sleeping all the time. I was irritable. I was antisocial, which isn't me. I'm a very outgoing social person, but it literally changed who I was. And I don't know what it was necessarily, but I just said to myself, I can't keep living like this. And I didn't know why I was having this feeling of this is the time, but it was so overpowering that I literally just had to follow that voice because I was like, if I don't listen to it right now, I may never get help. And I don't want to be 40 years old still dealing with this. Mm -hmm. Like I am young enough And I am lucky enough that I was supported by my parents and my therapist and my family and my friends to take time off of university and go into a program, even though it was virtual, to work on getting my eating habits back to where they should be. And especially dealing with an eating disorder at such a young age Mm -hmm. and dealing with it through puberty. It was hard to know for me what my actual natural body was like or what it was like for me to not live with one because I was so young and during that crazy transformative period of my life I wasn't focusing on myself or my health or watching my body change naturally into becoming a woman it was always trying to fight the natural changes that were happening to me yeah so eventually I just decided this is my time and I want to know what life is like without my eating disorder and who I am without it because it had become a huge part of me at that point Mm-hmm. First off, I want to say I'm so proud of you for reaching out and asking for help because I definitely have struggled with disordered eating and I've seen friends and girls in my high school struggle with it and I have wanted to reach out for them but I knew they had to do it for themselves and that was the only way that they were going to be committed. So I applaud you on that. Who was the first person that you felt like the most comfortable reaching out to and felt could help you? Well, my mom and I are really close. I tell her everything. Um, 
she's really, really supportive about mental health. And I remember in high school, before this was even really a thing, she used to be like, we can take a mental health day. We're not going to go to school. You're just going to stay home. I'm going to tell the school you're sick. So she's always been the biggest supporter. And my dad as well. My mom and I just have this special bond. Mm-hmm. So she was getting worried about me because I was losing weight. I think my friends were worried about me. So I felt comfortable saying to her, you were right. And I do need help. And then from her, I booked an appointment with my therapist. And then she set me up with a therapist who actually specializes in eating disorders. Okay. And now I have two therapists. So I see one just to check in with her to make sure that even if I am recovering or I guess in recovery, I always have that person to talk to because you do have weeks sometimes, even when you're in recovery, where those thoughts kind of come back. And it's nothing to be ashamed of because I have come so far, but it's really hard to just shake it completely and to say, oh, I'm entirely recovered. So she set me up with her and I have been speaking to her for a year and it's really helpful to have someone separate that I can just focus on how I'm feeling about my body and how I'm feeling about what I'm eating. And is it controlling me more this week than it has in the past? Because as much as my eating disorder was connected to my emotions, they are two separate things now. Yeah. And so instead of spending that entire hour with my therapist talking about my eating disorder and as a result, not having time to talk about the issues that were really feeding it. Yeah. It was nice to have that separation to really focus on my emotions and my eating disorder and then focusing on both of them separately actually helped both. Yeah, I actually see how that could be very helpful. And then that kind of gives you a person to reach out to for different things and that you can get different perspectives and different tools because now you kind of have two like toolboxes in a way. Would you say that social media and the wellness community have been beneficial or would you say have been negative towards your recovery? I personally feel that it's both in my own relationship with food in my body. So I want to hear your perspective. Yeah, I feel like it's really interesting, actually, because when I was in the midst of my eating disorder, I think that in my mind, social media allowed me to disguise my eating disorder as a healthy lifestyle. I was looking at what other people were eating or how often they were exercising or what their bodies looked like. And I was like, oh, no, I'm going vegan because it's healthy and not, no, this is just another way for me to restrict what I'm allowing myself to eat. Mm -hmm. And even five years ago, I'd say social media was a lot less diverse than it is now. Now I always make sure to stop and check in with myself Mm -hmm. on who I'm following on Instagram and think, do they empower me or do they make me feel guilty and like I need to change what I'm doing? And now there's so many girls that are posting natural pictures of themselves and not editing them and not just talking about how many calories they take in a day and showing more balance like the biggest name I can think of is Victoria Garrick Mm -hmm. she's been really helpful for me because she makes me feel good but even when I was younger and I don't know if you remember Tumblr oh my god that is like trigger of any body image (laughs) eating yeah the thigh gap like the thigh gap exactly and (laughs) I remember I used to follow hashtags on Tumblr of like skinny inspo or it was like skinspo or something and I was like oh but this is trendy and I was at such a vulnerable age Mm -hmm. so I think social media has come a long way but I'm also very conscientious of who I'm following and whose information I'm allowing myself to be exposed to 
Because if you're in that negative mindset to begin with, you're not necessarily going to interpret what people are putting on the internet the way that they intended to. Yeah. I think I also realized this earlier on in high school. Of what I can remember, I didn't have any poor relationships with food, but I definitely had a poor relationship with my body. But it kind of flipped back and forth between like being overly confident and then also being like really insecure at the same time and having a low self-esteem. And I've learned in therapy that like self esteem and self-confidence are two different things and I would find myself comparing my body to a lot of other girls bodies that I saw on social media and I would go through and unfollow accounts whether they were people who I knew personally or they were influencers bloggers who I felt that whenever I saw their content I had like a negative association with it and I think that's really helped and I definitely feel that sometimes this like orthorexic behavior that we see on social media and even I experience that can really fuel the fire and it's really important to take a step back and flip that perspective so I definitely think that it can be very beneficial and I know that a lot of the friends that I've made in the wellness community that have a very positive outlook on nutrition and wellness and your relationship with yourself and being vulnerable have really helped in helping me on my journey and bettering my relationship with food and myself. But I totally hear you where you're coming from and everything because I'm in the same boat. Yeah. And it's also, I think it's so much about balance too. I've started to focus more on intuitive eating and I'm not perfect at it. And I definitely still have my days where I'll look at carbs and I'll feel literally afraid Mm -hmm. because it's still that voice inside of me sometimes that's like, oh, you've been told that these are bad for you. I've never studied nutrition. I do not know how my body breaks these things down. I (laughs) don't understand any of it, but if enough influencers have told you that something is bad, you're just going to think it is. Yeah. So when I was eating rice cakes instead of bread, in my mind, I was like, oh, like, this is so much healthier for me, which is so messed up now. Because it wasn't like, eat the bread. Yeah. I was eating chickpea pasta. And I was like, oh, like, I like this better. You convince yourself that I guess you like it better. And yeah, sometimes that is what you want. But that should be what you want because that is what your body's craving, not because that's what you feel less guilty about eating because guilt should not be associated with food. Mm-hmm. Guilt should be associated with if you do something bad or if you are mean to a friend, not eating birthday cake at your own birthday. I experienced a thought creep up this morning. I had like a second breakfast because I was hungry and I was debating between two different types of bread and one was more calories and more carbs than the other. And I almost went with like the gluten-free bagel thin because it was less calories. It was less carbs. We've been told time and time again that like carbs are bad for us. We need carbs to function. And I was like, you know what, Atlanta, like looking at it, which one is more appealing to you? And I went with the toast and I'm guilt-free and I'm very proud of myself. Even if you do follow intuitive eating, it's not always easy and it's not going to be perfect. And I've learned that there's no such thing as perfect. And my therapist tells me that time and time again, perfect is like this conscious that society has made and it doesn't exist there's no such thing and if you keep trying to reach perfection 
you're never going to be satisfied. And that's why dieting is like a constant battle and circle because you're never going to be satisfied. You're never going to be satisfied with how much you ate or what you ate or the size that you are. And you have to learn everything in balance, listen to your body and that life is worth living and focusing on other things. And like food shouldn't be associated with guilt. Food is meant to fuel our bodies. It's meant to be enjoyed. I think once you get to that point and not that you're always going to be 100% in that point, like just moving towards that intuitive mindset is a game changer. Yeah. And it's also about celebrating those little wins too, because every small step that you take in fighting the voice inside of you that's telling you go with the choice of less carbs or don't eat sugar or you don't need to eat this. Every time that you fight against it and do the opposite of what that voice is telling you, that voice gets a little bit quieter. Mm -hmm. And I think it's so important that even if it's just a small thing, like you this morning, like choosing that bread, even though it seems like such a small, unimportant thing, maybe to some people, it's so worth celebrating and paying attention to and being like the way that I feel right now, which is guilt-free, which is full, which is satisfied. I need to remember this because if I keep doing this, I'm stepping closer towards self-confidence and self-acceptance and the way that I feel when I'm not paying attention to calories and I'm eating what I want and I'm trusting my body when it tells me you're still hungry or you're, you made yourself a full plate, but maybe you don't necessarily want to finish it right now, Mm -hmm. but it's okay to have a snack in two hours. If you're hungry again, it's those times when I feel the most happy with my body. Ironically, it's not when I'm my thinnest because when I'm focusing on calories, I'm focusing on my body. Mm -hmm. And when I'm just focusing on living my life and giving myself the space and the time to live for other things, I'm not thinking about my body all the time. And then when I am thinking about it, it's usually more positive. Yeah. And there's so much more to life than the food that's on your plate or what size is on your jeans or the number that's on the scale. Yeah. And the thing is, you're not going to have the time to focus on things that you're passionate about to then become successful, or you're not going to have the time to focus on your relationships enough to be there for other people. If you're always thinking about yourself and you're always thinking about how your body looks and I look back now and it was as much as I was self-deprecating, it was also a very selfish time because I was always so focused on how I look, what I was eating, how I felt, rather than being like, you know what, the shape of my body doesn't matter right now. I need to be there for other people or it's my friend's birthday. I'm going to go to the dinner Mm -hmm. so that she can feel supported instead of me being like, oh, I'm too afraid to go to an Italian restaurant because what if I let myself go? So you can actually be there more for other people and focus on the things that other people actually care about when you're not looking internally and when you're not looking at your body and what you're eating as the be all and end all. Yeah. So to bring it up even a little bit more, what would you say has been the greatest part of your recovery? Something that you're really proud of and are happy that you've accomplished? I definitely think giving myself more room to focus on other aspects of my life and be a better friend, be a better family member, be a better partner in my relationship and be a better partner to myself. Mm -hmm. Like give myself the room to feel more about things that don't have to do with my body and show myself a little more compassion. I think that it was turning me into a different person and I'm still working towards, I guess, 
finding myself without the eating disorder. And I'm sure that it's going to take a few more years of soul searching. And I don't know if anyone truly finds themselves, but I think that having that space to then become a better person for myself and for others has been the biggest thing I've noticed. And the thing that I'm most proud of, I guess, is the woman I'm becoming without the eating disorder. I love that. That makes me so happy. Yeah. And what is one piece of advice, whether it be in relation to school, anything that you want to leave our listeners with? I feel like the biggest thing is that everything is temporary. And I've dealt with some pretty heavy things in my life. I've also dealt with some pretty good things in my life that are all temporary. And the most important thing you can do is when you're in the bad times, remember this won't last forever. And I've gotten through, I know this probably sounds cheesy, but 100% of my hardest days. Mm -hmm. And you have to look back on the days that literally felt unbearable and say to yourself, I made it through it. But also the good experience you you need to say, I want to remember this and I want to pay attention to this because the good things also won't last forever. Mm -hmm. And where can the listeners find you? (laughs) Well, my Instagram is underscore Tessa McCarthy. T-E-S-S-A-M-C-C-A-R-T-H-Y. Perfect. Well, thanks for coming on the pod, Tessa, and you're welcome back anytime. And I'm so proud of you for being so open and vulnerable, and I really appreciate it. And I'm sure the listeners appreciate it too. Thank you so much for having me. I had such a nice time. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of Morning Ray. I would really love if you guys left a rating, reviewed, and subscribed as it really helps support the pod. I love you guys so, so, so much, and we'll chat soon. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.